You're listening to Boss Tone Radio. Presented by BossUS.com. Hey, today on the line from beautiful, usually sunny California, we have Keith Wyatt. Oh, and let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Paul Hansen. Keith has been involved with Musicians Institute in Hollywood for years, and he's a really good blues guitar player. Keith is the author of several instructional books and DVDs, and you see his stuff everywhere. And he has a column currently in Guitar World magazine called Talkin' Blues. But before we talk to him, let's uh, take a listen to Keith. This is with his band, The Blasters. This is called Boneyard. Hey, Keith, you there? I'm here. That tune is pretty cool. It's called Boneyard Dick Tracy's theme or yeah, something? Yeah, what it is actually is uh, it's it's a theme song from an old Dick Tracy cartoon show. I remember that cartoon. Yeah, yeah, we did our own arrangement of it. Boneyard is a, is a surfing term. The drummer uh, <laughs> who was in the Blasters at that time was a surfer, and so he said, you know, the Boneyard's when you take <laughs> the wrong break and you wind up getting... Smashed up on the rocks or whatever. Uh, it harks back to my my first inspiration for playing guitar, which was the Ventures and surf music. You know that got me going. So, are you heading out on the road with the Blasters tomorrow? Yeah, we're leaving tomorrow. Starting off in Omaha, Nebraska, and then we'll beautiful Omaha. Beautiful Omaha, especially at this time of year. Actually, uh, I really like yeah. Omaha. It's a pretty cool place. You know, real regular folks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's you know the great thing about touring is you get to see parts of the country that ordinarily you know it's, they call them the flyover states, <laughs> and uh, so we fly into those states and then uh, tour around. We're hitting Kansas City and St. Louis and uh, Iowa that... City, and then going up to uh, what is it, Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit. Wow. Through Ohio, and then eventually wind up back in New York City at B.B. King's Club. Cool. Yeah. Man, the Blasters are a huge L.A. band. I remember seeing them at the L.A. street scene. This is back before you were in the band, and uh-huh. they were slamming. They're kind of like a combination of punk, blues, rockabilly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little of everything, and we call it American music. And yeah. You know, the, the, the bin at the record store would be Americana. But it's, you know, it's I mean, literally, surf music is Americana, too. It's all, it's yeah, all surf. tied <laughs> in together. So you've performed with Albert Collins, Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, Robin Ford. Any gigs really stand out for you over the years? All those guys are outstanding 
musicians, and Albert Collins, just a phenomenally powerful blues guitar player. Man. He's an inspiration to me because I did a video with him. It was for uh, REH, uh-huh. which no longer exists, but um, distributed through Warner and now through Alfred, I guess. But yep. it was a video of Albert Collins, and I, I had the, the privilege of uh, playing with him and interviewing him, basically. Uh-huh. He was such an inspirational guy, and what was really, uh, you know, for me, as I get older, I look at Albert and I say, you know, here's a guy who got more powerful. As the years went by, he became a more powerful musician uh-huh. rather than the stereotype, which is, yeah, you know, you really kick ass when you're in your 20s and 30s and then it's all downhill from there. That's such an untrue thing. And I agree. And should yeah. be getting better. You know? <laughs> you know, we're getting older. I hope that's the case. Yeah, no, I think, you know, the, the only reason people would say that is because when rock and roll began, it was a young person's music, so it was assumed that that was it. You know, it's cut off at age 30 or something. But the Rolling Stones are still going. I mean, right. They look pretty darn good. I got to say, Mick, <laughs> Mick's getting around pretty good for an old man. You, uh, know? you know, I so, think uh, maybe one thing that happens is possibly our reflexes aren't quite as fast. So maybe maybe we don't play as fast, but yeah. we have more grasp of everything. The time, you know, harmony, the yeah. everything. Well, you take a bit sense. more care, I mm-hmm. think, with with what you play. You realize that life doesn't go on forever, and so the notes begin to mean more. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it isn't just like ah, what the hell? You know, I got a thousand more. I'll play tomorrow. It's it's mm-hmm. it, it makes the music a little bit more important, I think. Since 1978, you've been teaching. Well, you've probably taught thousands of guitarists or tens of thousands of guitarists. What's your philosophy? on teaching guitar. Do you have an overall philosophy? I don't have a philosophy that I could give you like point by point or articulated in that way, but I feel that the responsibility of the teacher is is to try to figure out what's going to click with the student and speak to them in terms that they understand. And we're all students. We're all ignorant, you know, in our our various areas. Yep. Yep. And so I happen to know uh, more about playing blues guitar probably than most of my students, but I can learn a lot from them, and I want yeah. to learn what it is they need to know and then show them stuff that they can really grasp and apply rather than just blind them with a bunch of stuff that uh, goes right. over their head. Well, I found an excerpt on uh, YouTube of you teaching in one of your DVDs, and I recorded the audio here, so let's listen to this. Okay. Now, we're going to play over that same rhythm track one more time, and what I'm going to do this time is I'm really going to play off of each chord. So I'll play a couple of them, and I'll, I'll point out through the way that I'm playing how I'm getting from chord to chord. There's the root. Third. Root of the D chord. Root. Seven. Fifth of the five chord. I love that one, Keith. <laughs> yeah, you're. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's really logical. You're explaining, okay, now I'm landing on the root. Now I'm landing on the root of the four chord. Now I'm to the seventh of the one chord because we're playing over the one chord. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think what 
a lot of guys look at blues in particular as being this thing that it's sort of an advantage to be uh, sort of ignorant, you know, <laughs> about music. And yeah, you just go for it. And it's all about feeling. Yeah, it's all about feeling. But that doesn't mean that you got to unhook your brain. And great guitar players, whether they describe it in the in the traditional technical terms or not. I mean, I'm trained, so I know the mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Everybody organizes it, and the guys who play extremely well, by their own definition, they're extremely organized. They know how to get at their ideas and and hit them consistently and make the story stick. You know, it unfolds step by step. So right. as I'm explaining it, I'm, I'm saying I'm organizing it around the chord changes rather than saying it's it's in the key of A and I'll play pentatonic and just right. sort of noodle around. So, you know, that's part of the, uh, the thing I do in the blues class that I teach at MI is, is uh-huh. uh, talk about well, blues, you got three chords, you know, that's that's uh, three things that kind of affect the sound of your, your, your notes, yeah. but you have to be aware of the changes in the form. Itself. Yeah, I guess even if you play Stormy Monday, it's still based around those, those three chords. Yeah. Nine songs out of ten are just really based on those three chords. That's the, the heart of Western music from Bach to Beethoven right on down the line. It's one, four, five, you know, with, with a whole bunch of... Embellishments. <laughs> you have a book, or maybe it's a video. It's it's called the Comprehensive Guide to Ear Training. Is that a video? No, that's a book CD. Any tips for ear training? Because that's a kind of an elusive, complex uh, subject. It really is, and it's one of the most frustrating. That and, and sight reading, I think, are the two. <laughs> <laughs> I think sight reading is worse. Yeah, the problem with ear training is that. You're trying to grab something literally out of the air and give it substance, you know, so you mm-hmm. hear two notes, and the, the question is, well, not what are those two notes, it's not a matter of perfect pitch, but rather, what is the relationship between those two notes, mm-hmm. and it has to do with coming up with an organized structure where you can hear those two notes and, and sort of put a context around them, mm-hmm. whether it's a chord or the key, you know, um, and then right. hear the notes as being part of a pattern, a, a larger pattern or structure. It's a difficult process because you got to get over sort of an initial conceptual bump, which it, it can be very discouraging. Right. Uh, Howard Roberts' approach to ear training was, I think, right on the mark because he looked at ear training as, as you can't separate it from your instrument. Well, Howard said, let's yeah. just do it on the guitar, you know, so when I show you a sixth interval, I'll relate it to these two notes on the neck, you know. It, it makes it so much more tangible. And for me, I can almost feel the sound, you know, of that sixth you were just talking about. Yeah, or, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Howard's mantra was to visualize. You would mm-hmm. you'd play the notes on the guitar, but then you take that little snapshot of those two notes away with you, and when you're walking down the street, you still have that picture in your head of the shape yeah exactly and so then you hear a lick and you start to you can hear that lick in your head and you can convert it into a, a series of fingerings and by the time you go home and pick up the guitar you got it you know you you, you play it because you've already played it in your head mm-hmm. so now your fingers just follow i think maybe there's two different subjects possibly where you learn intervals 
for one, and the other one might be learning chord quality. I, I know for in, intervals for me, I learned little songs like "Here Comes a Bride." There you go. For yeah, that's perfect time-honored way to do it. Yeah. Uh huh. Or N B C. You know, yeah. for the major six. The trick is finding intervals that everybody can relate to because <laughs> they don't do the N B C thing anymore. You right, know? especially so. in Europe, they don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, so what's, what's the current version of that? What does the Swedish guy have to remember? Yeah. yeah. Keith, let's talk about your gear. This is Boss Tone Radio, so let's first talk about your Boss pedals. You have a, a Boss TU2 floor tuner. Yeah. Do you use that live or recording? Or I, I use it live. That is the uh, indispensable pedal mm-hmm. for me because back in the day <laughs> i used to have a handheld tuner and i would plug the guitar and tune up and then unplug it plug it into my uh you know the rest of my foot pedals and play and then if i was out of tune i would have to tune by ear me which too. you know that's mm-hmm. the way you're supposed to do it right. if you're if you're talented you know <laughs> but i would always be a little bit out of tune so having the floor tuner is such a godsend because between songs i can tune it right up and it's silence, you know, it Absolutely. kills silence the signal. Absolutely, the pitch, and I'm standing there while the singer's doing his little number, you know, talking to the audience. Do you use harmonics when you tune, or do you tune chords, or do you tune open strings? Well, with the TU uh, tuner, the great thing is that, of course, it recognizes the note that you're playing, so I can just play but the open string. Chromatic. Mm-hmm. I use harmonics sometimes just because the, the pitch is a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. and more defined, so I, I use that. And then I also stretch the strings in between, so I always make sure that they're kind of settled. So it's ready for um, you to bend. Exactly. Yeah, and I change strings before every uh, show, so it takes them a couple of songs to really kind of settle down. Oh, yeah. They sound so much better if you have fresh strings. Yeah, and I use a little heavier strings, like 11s. Um, Whoa. And they last for the whole set, but I can't count on them for two sets. So right. uh, I change them every set. That means I don't have to worry about breaking them, but then I'm right. always breaking them in, you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. then I also use the tuner as a power supply, which that's so cool that you can run that little uh, oh, yeah. power thing out of there and power the rest of the pedals because uh, that, that's, you know, it's very easy and, and it makes the pedal board compact to consider it inside an anvil briefcase. This concludes the first segment of this 16th edition of Boston Radio. Stay tuned to the second segment. We're going to talk to Keith Moore, find out more about his gear, and lots of other stuff. So stay tuned to Boston Radio. Radio.